Welcome to Food and Loathing, a weekly culinary conversation about what, where, why, when, and how Las Vegas is eating. I am your host, the slightly suntanned Outmancini, <laughs> back from a seven-day stretch of not photographing a single item of food or a single beverage. I think my wife is still in shock. I'm for in that. shock. Yeah, but I did make good on most of my promises not to work on vacation. More on that shortly. Co-hosting with me this week is OffTheStrip.com, Samantha Gemini Stevens, and engineering all the noises coming out of our yeah. word holes and into your ear holes <laughs> is the one and only Rich Johnson. And if you were listening last week, you heard them do this show yeah. much better than they ever yeah. do it with me. Oh, listen to you. You guys were awesome, <laughs> fantastic. Yes. Post away, we did play. You did play, and you did amazing job so thank you so much I didn't have anything to think about yeah. and I got great entertainment on my way flying back into the country Yay. all, all this nice much. echo we have here is thanks to yes we are coming to you from Garagiste Wine Room and Merchant on California at the corner of Casino Center in the Las Vegas Arts District and yeah, I love yeah, this place. This is a great spot. It's yeah. my happy place. We've uh, <laughs> we're recording a little out of order, so uh, we have a little party favor here. This yeah. is a, a gamay, which uh, our host says is is if you like pinots, which I love pinots, being an Oregonian. I thought this you would. This is pretty nice. I want a bottle of this to take home. <laughs> I like how you pick up the sound <laughs> as the glass is coming it. to your mouth. Mm -hmm. That is great. Never leave a recording session without a bottle of wine lately. That's a way to run a <laughs> right? career or that ruin a, a career. Or <laughs> just <laughs> depends just on how much journalism. of it you're drinking yeah, at the time. Yeah. The older I get, the more I do, man. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, uh, you know, we always start the show off talking about where we've eaten recently. Yeah, I, I want to hear. I should talk a little bit about the meals I ate while oh, I was yeah. in Mexico. I'm not going to go into details because, like I said, I wasn't taking notes. In all honesty, I was not looking to go out for a lot of fancy meals. I wanted to stay at our resort, which, by the way, the JW Marriott was very nice, and I just wanted to bounce from pool to pool. We were staying on their club level, formerly known as the Griffin Club. They now call it Casa Matt. Um, but there was, like, the free food that you always get when you're in the oh, private sure, club yeah. level when did, you go to the did you have a wristband? No. Okay. It wasn't Cancun. Yeah. No. Okay, no, good. No, no. Yeah, they yeah, just, yeah. This was a nice place. They said, yeah. Mr. Mancini, you know what? You can take that cabana over there. There you go. And yes, and I just had them bring me food and stuff. <laughs> no, so, you know, we didn't go out a lot. Sue wanted to occasionally see some sites, so we did leave a few times. I should mention, if you if you are going to Cabo, we spent most of our time in um, San Jose del Cabo yep. section, more so than Cabo San Lucas. Flora Farms, that's the big farm-to-table place that you hear a lot about. Food there is great. Great. We had a great meal there. The setting is also really cool. Kind of feels like a hippie village in the middle of a jungle. All right. You just visit yeah. these little artisanal stores and everything before your meal. I had flan ice cream before my meal there. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Life is short, man. Start with dessert first. That sounds delicious. Yeah. Yeah. So Flora Farms, we loved. That came highly recommended. Also a place called Acre or Acre. It's spelled A-C-R-E. This was even weirder, but at the same basic um, farm-to-table rainforest-esque vibe right. as Flora Farms. You can actually stay on the grounds here. At the restaurant. Inside tree houses. Cool. <laughs> so as you're walking up to the entrance, which is like, you know, you drive through Mexico and yeah. they drive through and it's beautiful. And then you look like you're just in the middle of the desert here where they bury the bodies yeah. sometimes. <laughs> you know, like it's Vegas in some parts. And then you get to this like rainforesty area and you're walking around and people are staying in these tree houses. We did not do that. We just went to the restaurant. But again, we had a great meal there. I would highly recommend Accra if you're there. Beyond that, I hit my favorite beachfront pizza spot, which is a nondescript little place in Cabo. 
Columbus and Lucas called Tabasco, of okay. all things. There's Just no, like the pepper? Yeah. And there's <laughs> no reason to really go there. It's the end of a nondescript street. They, <laughs> they rent boogie boards and like all that kind of shit. And okay. you can always buy weed from anybody who's on the <laughs> beach there. And it's garbage weed, but you know, you're in Mexico, so you would do it anyway. But th that's my go-to spot when I just want to have a seafood pizza with my toes in the sand. Absolutely. And I always go there. That sounds so great. Wow, that was yeah. really great. I visited um, Cabo Wabo because Sammy Hagar has always been oh. supportive of all my work and I'd like to support him as well. And, you know, other than that, um, yeah, that, that, that's yeah. where we ate. I did have a story. I almost got a free meal. I should have got a free meal. I got to tell why, you this story. Why didn't you get a free meal? Can we just talk about, like, yeah, yeah, go. Steve did the they dick? recognize the mohawk? Oh, no, Steve the Dick. Steve the Dick. Yes. Right? So I sit down in Cabo and I go down to one of the fire pits at night, and there's a, there's, it's empty, a couch, and I see a wallet sitting there, stuffed to the yeah. gills with the money in the money clasp on the outside, the cash. So it's hundreds, very clear there's money. Hundreds all show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I flipped through, there was easily 900 plus dollars in there. So I'm looking for a name, find driver's license of the guy, find two of his Amex Platinum cards. <laughs> two, two different business Platinum cards for two different businesses. Okay. His personal Amex Gold card, his, I think it was his Chase Sapphire card, oh all of his gun permits, oh because God. he had a lot of those. And I tried to track him down. I couldn't get him through the... Um, through the hotel operator. So I called our butler, because like I said, we were staying in the butler. Yeah. There. Our guy knew him, he knocked on the door. The guy answered the door like, all like, oh, what? And probably, I don't know whether you- Wake but, him up or something? I don't know. <laughs> this, I, when, when, I, when I heard the story, <laughs> I'm, I'm immediately <laughs> thinking, New Jersey-based waste <laughs> management concern. It was just so weird. And he, I'm just like, hey man, I found this. This is yours, take it. I didn't take any of your money. And he's just like, oh, okay, fine. So, okay, no big deal. All good. You do the right thing. Everything's yeah. fine. The next day, he sees us, and he comes up to us like three or four times. Hey, man, I'm buying you dinner. I told the butler. We found out where you're eating dinner. Like, we're going to take care of you. Okay, that's cool. That, that, that's yeah. a nice gesture. Thank you, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, he didn't do that. No, oh. no nothing taken off my bill. He came Anything up to you Steve. more than once like, to tell you this? Like, and like, then, no, he came up to me bailed? to tell me, and then bailed. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? The butler knew where I was eating because yeah. he's the one that made my reservation yeah. there, and he knew you. So anyway, Steve, whatever. Maybe, maybe more like a Delaware-based right? management concern. <laughs> you know, the but, one. but you know what? I did the right thing. You and did. That, that I, made me feel good. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. And then I got back to Vegas, and I had a couple of misfires trying to oh, eat what out. Happened? Well, I have had on my calendar November 1st as the opening date for Vetri's. Yeah. Yes. So I showed up there. First of all, I always go the day before to see if they open early. Yep. But no, they were not. Then okay. I went that day, and it was a buyout. Like the, the, ah. They were up there having to staff me out, so I'm going to go back ah. and try to eat there. Absolutely. And as I was getting all excited to go to Vetri, I said, well, if I can't get into Vetri tonight, because it's the first night, maybe I'll go to Sean McLean's place. Yeah. And I looked it up, and they're not open on Mondays or Tuesdays. Oh, so hopefully by next week, I'll have hit both of those. There but is. I haven't hit I mean, I know there's those. a lot of places that aren't open on Monday and Tuesday, but... Yeah, that's... Yeah, or Sunday, Monday. <laughs> still a lot of that going on. Yeah. So I didn't get oh, into well. either of those places. So that's all I got to tell you. Um, Steve didn't buy me dinner. Lots of good food in Mexico. and So you haven't eaten for a few days. I haven't eaten for a few days. You can tell how I'm losing all this weight. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. How about you guys? Where we've been eating? Oh, man. Uh, part of it is TV-based. Uh, I think I mentioned we finally got around to watching The Bear yes, on, I on Hulu. I understand why it's <laughs> triggering a lot of restaurant folks. Uh, the series about the big deal chef who quits to take over the family Italian beef joint in Chicago when his brother dies. And it's more family drama than mm. restaurant. But the restaurant stuff was done very well. And since then, of course, I have been jonesing for Italian beef. 
and I'm looking around and I'm and Al's I didn't not e- enough. I didn't even know this one place was there <laughs> next to the Sprouts at Lake Mead in Buffalo called Windy City Beef and Dogs. Yeah, oh, know, yeah. There's, there's, there's a little app out there called Neon Feast. You could have gone to Sandwich's <laughs> list, and um, you might have found that right under the sandwiches. You know, I, and you know Just we're saying. all about the positive here, but I got to say I was positively so disappointed. Oh, no. I mean, like every Chicago expat place I've ever been to in the entire U.S., there's yeah. pictures of Wrigley Field. There's a Wacker Boulevard street sign. There's autographed pics of famous athletes. What it didn't have, I'm sorry to say, was very good Italian beef. Oh, it looked no. like steakums <gasps> dipped in a those. not very, <laughs> you know, those rectangle yeah. shield things of, of not very flavorable jus. The bread held up fine. Saddest thing was no uh, garden air. What? Okay, it, I had asked for it, Please. and it was a dollar extra. Jardinera. Uh, the, how do you the, not? Yeah. yeah, how do you not do that standard on your Italian yeah. beef? That's like charging for mustard on a hot dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's just yeah, yeah, what's yeah. wrong with you. So I'm uh, on, the, on the hunt for better Italian beef here All in the right. Las Vegas okay. Valley. I'll uh, open up my app and find please, you something. Yeah, please, would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> most favorite thing I did was the most simple thing. I had a donut. I had two plain cake donuts. Yeah, and you've heard me say this about breakfast. Show me you can do bacon and eggs over medium yep. toast and hash browns before we talk about all the fancy stuff. the bennies and shit with a <laughs> foot of a can whipped cream on top and all that stuff. Uh, same thing with donut shops. Show me you can do plain cake. Yeah. And then we'll talk about fancy fruits and bacon and tricks and the other shit. I'm so the opposite, man. If I'm going to like blow the calories on I'm a with donut, you. I want like every fucking trick that yeah. they can come up I mean, I'll with do that. I don't that. do a yeah. lot of sweets, but I want like that fudgy, chocolatey. Oh, maple bar. Yeah, with all the crunchy stuff on top for texture. I am a child. <laughs> I'm so old that I remember paying seven cents for a maple bar at the grocery store bakery back wow. in Cambridge, Oregon in 1964. So yeah, that, that is, I, I will go to that. But then show me again, you can do the baseline. Uh, fair enough, yeah. Uh, uh, Cocoa Donuts, Cheyenne. They have another one way down on South Rainbow. A perfect cake donut. Nice crunch on the outside. The sweet cakey goodness on the inside. Uh, I've had pretty good ones at Pink Box too and, and Mazoa over in Summerlin. But the Cocoa really did it for me that's awesome uh home cooking you know i gotta do the home cooking absolutely we did steaks i did the cast iron basting method have you ever done that absolutely this is only the second time and i was really nervous because the first time i screwed it up big time way way too overdone you know load up the cast iron skillet with olive oil and butter a couple of cloves of garlic uh just barely chopped because you don't want them in your steak because they kind of burn sprigs of rosemary you put the steaks on the pan you tilt it you take some of that oil and butter and baste the steak, 30 seconds or so, three or four bastes, turn it over, same thing, 30, 40 seconds, turn it over, do this seven or eight times, and that's the problem, is judging when it's done. You get the crust on there, get it off, and I did it right this time, I did it really wrong the first time, so it it was a few months, but uh, how I did it right, I have no idea, but it... (laughs) It turned out very good. Practice, and I will, practice, practice. I will try that again. Yes, most, my big cast iron. Most chefs I know tell me that unless you have a really great grill, mm-hmm. that a cast iron is the way that they would make a steak at home. I don't cook steak at home, so that really doesn't yeah. register with me, yeah. but that's what I have frequently told. Very yeah. good. Pepper, kosher, salt about an hour ahead of time. Yeah. A little uh, with this, I didn't oil them first. I didn't brush them with oil because they were bathing in oil. Yeah, exactly. But I'll brush them with oil to put them on the grill. Absolutely. Boom. I'm done. Ugh, well, talking <laughs> about steak, now I need to go get one. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got to go to 
Feather Blade. As you know, I you went Saturday because yeah. I texted you. Uh, we talked on this show last week about how Feather Blade was popping up a burger pop-up um, Saturday morning, started at 11 o'clock, and it ended when it ended. They only had about 100 burgers to put out there. Uh, we showed up about 11.15-ish because we looked at the clock and went, oh, we got to run. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the place was packed. And what I love to see is that people were not just there for the burgers. They were actually buying stuff. Um, we did. I got a brisket for Sunday, which I'll talk yeah. about in a second. But we were slip number 23. We ordered two burgers. Um, I think if I remember from my receipt, I don't have it with me, was maybe 10 bucks. I don't know if that was yeah. for both or for one. We didn't dress up, so it wasn't free. If you went in costume, you got a free one. Oh. Um, they kept 86ing the burgers because they had to slow it down. Uh, and then they had to send somebody out for some more buns and some more American crap cheese, as, uh, <laughs> I, as I overheard them call it, which is fine. Yeah. On a, yeah. on a that's what, cheeseburger like that, it's absolutely. so good. That's, that's what you have. Was I go it in American there. crap cheese or American crap cheese like product? Uh, well, cheese. there's yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's like food, product, food story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I always go, and when I get my, my sort of impulse buy when I go in there to buy steaks on purpose is the pot pies. And they have about six different. Yeah, in that little hot of box. pot pies. In the, in the, they're yeah. all frozen, and they're in the little... Oh, those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So out of the Ooh. hot box, while we were waiting, I did get a sausage roll, and we were chewing oh. on that while we were waiting. Okay. And I had a gentleman come up to me and say he recognized us from the podcast, so that was really cool. <laughs> and um, it yeah, it happens when she's around. It happened to me when <laughs> well, I was out with yeah, you before. Yeah, when we were at the Wynn. Yeah. That's right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a long wait for the burgers, but it was worth it. They were two really thick patties, beautifully seasoned, handmade. You can watch them standing behind the butcher counters, doing putting everything together. Um, and then we had them, as Alana the butcher called it, all the way, which was with the cheese, lettuce, tomato, caramelized onion, and they made their own burger sauce for the day. They were fantastic. And I know you can't see this on a podcast, but I'm going to show these guys. The thing was probably four and a half inches tall. Well, where did they cook the burgers? Did they, they had a little grill in the very back. Oh, okay. And that's why it took so long. Uh. But absolutely worth the wait. Not one person that I could hear the whole time we were there. It was probably 45 minutes. Didn't hear anybody complain. People were still buying other stuff out of the case. So I think it was a really successful day. Um, lots of fun costumes. Everybody behind the, the counter was dressed up. Um, just a really great way to bring everybody in. That was easily a $25 or $30 burger anywhere else. Cool. Um, and yeah, super happy. Like I said, five or 10 bucks. I hope they do it again because there was people standing outside. There was people eating outside. People. We took ours home because we live close. Fantastic. Like yeah. an awesome event. Hey, pop on the pot pie front. Yeah. Next time you are at Half Bird. Yeah. Ask about pot pies. Somebody just brought me out. I was just over there um, chatting with some friends for lunch, and they're like, you got to try these things. And they brought me out oh. these little kind of pot pie patties. I don't think they're on the menu yet. I might have sauce. to go over there on the way so, home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, hey, what was that was thing you just brought out? Yeah, just ask what the thing was they brought me. I <laughs> did pop in there the other night, um, and I got the caviar and nugs because I was just curious because their nuggets are so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, late chef Tony Lamantia put these together and they're just the most juicy rich little nuggets I've ever had they put a little bit of their um, curry ranch sauce on them and then Whoa. put a little dollop of caviar and it's not a lot it's not too expensive and it was just delicious you didn't need any other sauces although I always get them uh, but yeah okay gonna have to cool. go back over to half bird um, Sunday like I said we bought a brisket so I put well I say I put it on the smoker my dear darling amazing I love you, honey. Um, <laughs> husband got up at 4.30 in the morning on Sunday to put it on the smoker for me. Um, I had dry brushed or um, 
dry brined it the night before. And uh, so we put it on the Traeger. We have those meter wireless probes. So I didn't even oh, yeah. have to get up. I could just put it on my phone and see what was going on. And uh, yeah, we let that go for about 13 hours. We had some friends over on Sunday afternoon. It was perfect. You have the Traeger that, that automatically feeds. Yeah, so you yeah. You just fill the either. hopper yeah. and it does everything for you. Um, and, you know, yeah, I'm good on the smoker, but I, it also is because it was quality meat. So again, shout yeah. out to Featherblade. It was a Santa Carota carrot finished beef brisket. Um, they've got them right there in the refrigerated section near the um, counter and it's perfect. Um, one more quick note. Uh, we went to Evil Pie on Sunday uh, before our oh, friends came over. was that that crazy over. Inferno we challenge? We had the Reaper pizza. Yeah, we got to kind of do a preview of it. Um, I did have to sign a waiver. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really good. Uh, to be honest, I think it could be hotter. If you're going to make me sign a waiver, I want to be really sweating. And uh, it was really great. There's lots of hot pepper on the pizza infused into everything, including the chorizo and the mozzarella and the sauce. I even had a ghost pepper margarita to go with it. Wow. Um, admittedly, there was a couple of times I did use the ranch dip that, that they brought yeah, to our table. <laughs> but if you're doing the full-blown challenge and you want your name on the plaque or whatever it is they've got back there, um, you have to eat three full-style New York-style slices. No water, no drinks, no ranch, no blue no. cheese, no nothing. So go I, over there and give it a shot. I got that email. I was never so happy that I was away. <laughs> vacation <laughs> because no i mean look i love evil pie yeah i love their pr team i love everybody that yep. works over there i love everybody with the company they invite me to something i generally am gonna go absolutely this is like they're just inviting me to the thing that would kill our man <laughs> yeah it's like, just, just come on over to the right? kill our man yeah i mean party. it was don't get me wrong if you are not a spice person it's gonna kick your ass uh, but i am a spice person so i was thinking eh, it, could, it could stick but the spice stuck around a little bit on the top of your palate on, on you know you're licking your lips for about a half an hour afterwards super flavorful on top of it which was really great there was a bunch of social media people there and that was the most common theme was that it still tasted good it wasn't just hot for the sake of being hot that's so the thing definitely get over there stuff. give it a shot um you know i don't eat a whole lot of pizza because i don't do a whole lot of um crust and things like that but i do love the chew on their crust i have to admit it so definitely worth the trip over there uh, and then quickly, Halloween, I just want to put something out for Snapparazzo hot dogs from our friend Ralph Parazzo. Uh, we got a bunch of them from Green Valley Grocery. I don't know where else to go in town to get them. That's where I get I, them. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen them anywhere else. I know he does, Ralph's he does them on the griddle. smiling face right up there, man. <laughs> love so, walking into yeah. Green Valley Grocery and finding pickled eggs in Ralph Parazzo's exactly. face, man. <laughs> so some of the stores actually have them in the freezer section. So we got a bunch of those. And we did a super chill block party for Halloween. So we were giving out Ralph's hot dogs and just yeah really great stuff around town today or this week so happy anniversary to you too no oh, thank you spock and talking me all <laughs> stuff in green valley and everything yeah, yeah. Oh, man it works a veterans day deal music at dw bistro and we talk wine wine and more wine here at garagiste this is food and loathing Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. 
Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. Want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. Today is Wine Wednesday, and we are sitting with Eric Prado, owner of Garage East Wine Room and Merchant. With 24 years of hospitality experience under his belt, Eric began focusing on wine about a decade ago and apparently has never looked back. Do you ever look back? Never. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. What's behind you right. there, man? No, always looking forward. I, I know. I, took me, I had to pound on the door because you wouldn't look back and see me. Um, on your website, you call yourself the champion of easy drinkers. You mentioned Muscadet. I know you're a big proponent of approachability in the world of wine. And you led the wine program at Tells Kel- Thomas Keller, excuse me, Bouchon Bistro before opening Garage East. Trading in your suit for now what is your uniform, a t-shirt and jeans, Garage's t-shirt, of course. Um, started with your introductory sommelier course in 2012. Yep. And within only three months certified. Correct. And then you did your advanced in 2019. That's and you've been invited to sit for master. All, all truth. How did you get there? <laughs> um, drinking a lot. <laughs> you know, I mean, first and foremost, right? No, so... I guess wine kind of fell in my lap back in 2012. I've always been in restaurants, um, hospitality and everything like that. I mean, from Chili's, you know, to your neighborhood restaurants sure. to, yeah, I mean, to landing at Bouchon um, as a sommelier. But in between there, I was a bartender at local bars okay. um, for the PTs company and the lodge group and everything like that. Um, but then I kind of got tired of that vibe and that lifestyle you know it's that's a whole beast of in and of itself sure um so i actually was a concierge at mandalay bay for two years but was missing the floor of a restaurant you know that vibe that feel um and it's funny my cousin who at that time was a sommelier in beverly hills and he knows you know my hospitality background and bar background and everything and he basically said you should really look into this you'd probably be pretty good with you know where you where you've been what you know and this was right about when the documentaries were booming yeah so yeah so i mean everything kind of worked itself out that way um but yeah i took the intro exam uh late 2012 and was loved it immediately and i was wondering why i didn't know or do this earlier um you know, not to say I piggybacked on those documentaries, but sure. they definitely help open doors and Nothing everything wrong like with that. that. Yeah, totally. And then, um, yeah, landed a job at <laughs> Bouchon Bistro with next to no wine experience. I'm super fortunate that apparently I interview well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, you know, I, I don't I, Looking back at it now, I don't know how I got that position, but I'm very thankful that I did. Uh, my boss at the time, Paul Peterson, is and always will be a huge mentor for me in the wine world. Well, um, I mean, that's great. I mean, that was, you know, you're talking about starting out only 10 years ago. And this weekend, you just celebrated your third anniversary of Garage East. So congratulations, Thank number you. one. Thank you. How, yeah. how were the celebrations? Three years in. Uh, celebrations were great. You know, we don't ever want to do too much. Um, 
you know, we're not super into the spotlight or anything like that. We just want to be a cool neighborhood place for people to come drink. So basically the celebration was uh, three days to celebrate three years of half-off bottles. That's um, great. In-house. In In-house, yeah. We always do half-off to go. Yep. But um, in-house, you know, just to give everybody the opportunity to hang out, drink with us, have fun, and yeah enjoy for, that's great for those who don't know the las vegas arts district yeah, well i think it's important we talk about garagis its location where we are yeah. and really how new the arts district is it really as is. a as an epicenter of cool in las vegas yeah. i mean this is really it, it's outgrown in my opinion fremont east and a lot of other hip neighborhoods and not ones no better but this is this has just been if this neighborhood flourished during the pandemic i believe because you could drive down here walk from place to place sit outside um you know there aren't a lot of las vegas neighborhoods where you could do that um of course garagis was a very early adopter of this area you're right across from esther's kitchen which was sort of the you know the, the big the place flag. At the time, the yeah. Um, Taco Terrian came in across on the other side, and that sort of became an anchor of this weird little block of <laughs> California, even though nobody's address says California, no. I don't think, but they're all on California. It's hard to find shit over here, but it's a really crazy area. And for the longest time, even though I'm not a wine drinker, this was the part this was the one place in the neighborhood where i knew that if i was just walking through this neighborhood i could come into garage east and i was probably going to see somebody i knew if they were walking through yep. the arts district and then you had ice cream pop-ups in here with our friends from paradise city so even if i wasn't drinking wine sure. um you know you come in and have some great ice mm -hmm. cream uh, but it, it became the neighborhood gathering place and i don't know in this day and age and certainly in this city if we have a lot of those i think soul belly is becoming a good place like that in this neighborhood as well where you yep. can just go in and hope to see some of your friends, right? But you don't have to have a reservation. You can just do it very casually. That's not what people think a wine bar is going to be. When somebody says, hey, man, some guy from Thomas Keller is going to open up a wine bar, you don't think that it's going to be the place where I'm going to wander in and see some of my punk rock friends and see some of my That's a good foodie point. friends and see some of just whoever that are sitting around. And you know me. You, when I come in, all I always say is inexpensive pink bubbles for my wife. I mean, that's it because yeah, that's what it. she drinks, right? And you always give me something great that I can afford. So is this how you envisioned it? Is this kind of casual dropping in, hanging out in between, maybe on your way to get a slice of pizza over at Good Pie? Is that what you were, had in mind? You know, it's a, it's a good question. I definitely had approachability in mind, um, casual in mind. You know, when Mario and I opened this, you know, now staple in the neighborhood, you know, we were looking for a retail space more so than a bar, um, but understood the licensing legalities and had to have the bar tied into it. Okay. So, and it just kind of morphed, you know, into it. Um, and, you know, we have been in this realm for years. And so it was just like second nature getting behind a bar and being excited about what we like to drink, you know, keeping it affordable, casual, you know, and yeah, where everybody could feel at home and see friends and, you know, be a part of the neighborhood. So I, yeah, I mean, in some degree, yeah, I think it was always was the envision to have just a, a calm, 
relaxed vibe, mm-hmm. you know, for a wine bar. Wine's pretentious enough, you know. We don't ne- want to add to that stereotype. We're trying to loosen it up. So. Well, and you bring up a good point. You mentioned casual and approachable, and that you mentioned that on your website. You and I have had that conversation a yeah. lot. Um, you know, <laughs> you've made it so it's the place to pop in before you go to dinner. It's the place you pop in after dinner. If you're not going to dinner, you can get charcuterie and cheese here, um, things like that. And, and what I like about Garage East is that I don't feel like I'm walking into, like Al said, Thomas Keller's wine bar or even somebody from that, that, that ilk because it is so casual. It is really nice. You can have people dressed to the nines and then you have people in a tinned fish costume. I saw the pictures the other day. <laughs> that was great. Um, <laughs> shout out to Chris from 509 Bread. That was amazing. Um, but you, you do focus on approachability. And one of the things that I like is that somebody can come in here and say, you know, I don't really know wine. I don't know what I like about wine. You know, you've taught me a lot about how to talk to people about wine and what they like. Um, you know, tell me a little bit more about about how you guys approach that. If somebody comes in and says, I don't know, pink. Sure. Um, you know, how do you find out what they're going to like cuz you do more natural type stuff more yeah funky. i mean we definitely dabble in the obscurities for sure um and it you know our list can be challenging for those that are used to drinking one particular thing um you know but that's when the conversation has to happen you mm-hmm. know we try to get you know the guest to open up what yeah, what do you like? Let's start there. White or red? Start, you know, the the easiest question. And then we can kind of hone in from there. You know, do you like something lighter? Do you like something fuller? Do you like something fresh? Do you like something tart? Do you like something ripe? You know, and then we have an array of wines at all times that can hopefully match the style that somebody is looking for, but may not be exactly what they're used to drinking. Sure. So, and that's always, you know, that's always the goal, um, you know, and to be priced very very reasonably absolutely um and to always mix it up you know we don't want to be bored you know we, we don't want to be bored we don't want you to be bored we always want to keep it fresh and have fun speaking of price two questions sure. what's the cheapest bottle on the menu Ooh, cheapest <laughs> bottle uh to drink here it might be like 38 bucks what's the most expensive bottle oh right now six grand Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that just happened, so. <laughs> so I've written about so many things over my career. I've written about every type of food, you know, wines, beers, etc. But I actually very, very rarely write about wine because I feel that wine and craft beer are always the topics that everybody thinks they know a lot about and they always want to prove that you're wrong, right? It's almost like a challenge to just sure. prove that they know more. Like, you know, I, I, if I know three or four things about sake, I can sit down and talk to people, have a great conversation. We're all having fun. I'm teaching them about sake. They're teaching me. Same thing with any spirit, tequila, whatever. But um, wine and beer, people get really pretentious, really snotty about it. How important is it for a psalm to... First of all, not to contribute to that culture, but also to diffuse that culture. Try to, you know, steer people away from that pretentiousness and that fear factor. It's the hardest thing, you know. I mean, it, yeah, the pretentious nature just, I mean, partly I would imagine because, I mean, wine is revolves around France, right? And how, <laughs> and, and how that, you know, 
nature is, um, you know, with the testivon, the, the cup around the neck, all the things like that, that, you know, we're all trying to get away from. Like, we don't want to be that stuffy place. Um, it's, it, I don't know if you can ever diffuse the situation. I don't know if you can ever get away from it because, like you said, Al, people think that they're going to know more than you. And that's totally fine. You can know more than me. I don't have a problem with that. You know, you can ask me something and I'll tell you. And if you don't believe me, that's fine too, whatever, you know? (laughs) So, you know, I just want you to be open to what I'm trying to do here. You know, I just want Mm -hmm. you to be open to drinking something like Vespolina, you know, or whatever it is that's on the menu. Um, And not poo-poo it because you're like, oh, I only drink x from x you know and i don't care how much it costs whatever um you know that's no fun so let's dive in and let's figure it out like and then you can walk out of here and continue knowing more than everybody else totally fine (laughs) one of the big pieces of advice is i've always given to people as somebody who doesn't know wine is just be be honest with your sommelier don't be afraid to talk about what you drink right and people always will ask well what do you drink at home and a lot of times i i I can flash back i'm talking in the mid mid 90s top of the world trade center a group called wine brats that was pretty popular in the 90s in new york it was one of their events um somebody says to my wife and i what do you normally drink and we're like we normally drink white Zinfandel, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. it's, we're embarrassed to say it, but we say it. And because of that, that's the first time that I ever had a Riesling. Because somebody said, sure. hey, you know what? You like things that are sweet and fruity. Let me try to give you a sweet Riesling. And that's how I learned that I like sweeter Rieslings at the time. Sure. That honesty, that not being afraid to yeah. say, you know what? I drink Paps, Paps Blue Ribbon. You know, whatever. Tell people <laughs> what it is that you drink. Because I think that we're conditioned to, to feel like whatever we tell our sommelier, that you're going to turn your nose up at us and think that we I think suck. that's exactly the problem. You yeah. Know? And there may be some afraid. that do. Yeah, there may be some that do that, but you know, we're trying not to like I don't really care what you drink. I'm just mm-hmm. wanting to make sure I can get you what you want, what you like, you know. Mm-hmm. So please tell me, you know, I wanna know. I'm not gonna judge you. I drink Muscadet like it's water. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, um yeah, I I don't need to drink expensive stuff just to you know to have a good time no way so but yeah it's interesting i I know just enough to be dangerous because i do like studying it i'm not trying to have you know a sommelier's kind of life in it but um, one of the things i like when i come in here is that you're also very gentle when you need to correct me which is great because that's how i learn um and i can bring in people who've never had a glass of wine in their life and everybody here not just you but everybody that works here can do exactly what you said earlier ask them what they like what kind of flavors do they generally you know go towards if they're not wine drinkers and still find something that is not going to break the bank and they're going to be happy when they go i love that I, I always like to be proven wrong or told why I'm Absolutely. wrong by experts by somebody <laughs> like yourself. So I'm going to bring up a topic that I just two weeks ago when I was doing my whiskey tasting yeah. with the folks from Frey Ranch. And I was explaining to them that I do enjoy tasting a whiskey or a wine, for that matter, and trying to come up with the tastes that I'm that I'm experiencing on my palate. I enjoy the search for the vocabulary. I'm a writer by nature, right? But for me, it is, you are taking all of this lifetime of experiences and memories and cross paths in your head and something's hitting your palate and it's triggering a lot of memories and things come to mind like, 
it's autumnal or it's leafy. And no, it doesn't taste like leaves. Maybe it just tastes like something that you had once when the leaves were falling. But sure. These are, so to me, I think these sometimes pretentious sounding descriptions of flavors are really just a fun verbal exercise <laughs> in trying to yep. define it. But I'm guessing for somebody like you that there are probably proper <laughs> words and improper words, and I'm probably doing things wrong all the time. So I actually, I think you're doing it right. <laughs> because, yes. because, well, tasting, like you said, it's so personal, you know, and it evokes memories of childhood experiences, whatever it is. So I may say, oh, this smells like whatever floral that reminds me of my backyard growing up and sure. somebody else might be like i have no clue what that is <laughs> you know i it, to me it smells like something completely different yep. and uh, you know that's what makes it so interesting because i'm not going to sit here and say there are no wrong answers because there might be to some degree but in general if you taste it if you smell it it's there because it's your you know, it's your senses, it's your memories, it's your... Right. You know. It's like talking to little kids. You have to tell them, yeah. use your words. Yeah. I don't know what you're feeling if you don't tell me. Is there a danger of planting <laughs> landmines in your menu? Because when I see tobacco notes, I just keep on going. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Um, we don't have any notes anywhere. <laughs> so, you know, and if people... And for me, when people are like, oh, well, what's that like? I never tell them because it's better for you to taste and you to make your own decision, you know, for that reason, because we don't taste the same. We don't think about it the same mm -hmm. or anything like that. So it, it is weird. I, I think wine is the hardest thing to even begin to get into because I, I, when I started even just looking at wine list, it's like, okay, red or white. I know that. Right. But then you're like, am I naming? Oh, wait, if it's French, then I'm referring to where it's from, not the varietal of the grape. But if it's an American, I'm talking about the varietal of the grape. And then if it's from Chile, I don't know, it could be the same grape, but they call it something different. Like it seems like the rules change a lot in wine. Oh yeah. Yeah. They definitely don't make that easy, do they? <laughs> uh, yeah. They, the Venn diagram they want is you massive. To, they want you to know a little bit of something, I think, before even knowing anything <laughs> so, right. you know but uh yeah we do our best to try to you know work with everybody and try to make it as easy as possible so what, a, uh, what about people who are normally would just come in here and you know sip a, have a glass like yeah. something decide they want to take it home i know that's a big part of your customer base are there rules for buying it if i want to buy a case or buy it by the half a case um <laughs> you know something like that uh, uh, by rules i mean do certain things age better? Do I need to have a way that I can store Got them at home? Do I need to it. be aware of all that? I mean, I don't have a wine cellar in my house. Do I, you know, can I throw, if I like something here, can I buy it, throw it in my back closet and keep it? Or, you know, what's the, what's the deal if I'm the newbie to that? Well, Al, if you need a case of wine, I'd be happy to set you up. I'll start there. Um, but, I mean, realistically, everything should be stored quote unquote properly, meaning in some sort of refrigerated atmosphere. Um, it doesn't have to be an actual refrigerator, but something that can stay cooler, especially in the Vegas heat. So if you're going to throw your case of wine in the back closet and forget about it, probably not going to go over well, <laughs> at least in this town. But I mean, so our cellar is chilled to 61 degrees. That's as low as it'll go. Yep. Um, I keep everything at my house in some sort of refrigerator, mm -hmm. some actual refrigerator temps like you know 30 32 whatever um some in a wine fridge temperature but 
you know, if you're looking to buy something for an occasion that needs storage, you want to lay it down. You know, you want to make sure the wine hits the cork so it doesn't dry it out. You want to make sure it's a cool place. You don't want to move it all the time. You know, you don't want to expose it to light, heat, things like that. Um, that'll give you your best chance of preserving the juice inside. So. All right. <laughs> okay. Not the back closet. And <laughs> will I be able to tell the difference if I drink it a year from now and I drink it, or only only people like you will be able to tell the difference? Ah, uh, depends. That's up to you. <laughs> that's up to you. I don't know. <laughs> if it's not gone off, you probably might not know the nuances right away, but uh, you'll know if it's gone. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> a, a year a year may not show too many differences, you know, mm-hmm. but like ten, you you be like, oh, that's definitely different. Yeah. So then, what I was expecting it was going to be like. <laughs> What do you recommend to just somebody that wants to sort of wow their friends with a grape varietal that mm-hmm. they may never have seen before, that they may not be that familiar with, that's just something a little unusual that's going to wow people? Uh, Gamay, for sure. Yes. <laughs> okay. uh, lighter style red. Um, you know, for those that love Pinot Noir or something like that, Gamay, French grape, born in, or born, <laughs> grown in southern Burgundy, um, but yeah, produces light, vibrant, fresh, juicy, red-fruited wines that are delicious. So that's the one uh, for me. All right. <laughs> you have any on sale here? I know. Typically, that's what we do. But, but you know, because of our anniversary weekend, inventory is a little low right now. All right. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. Thank you. Setting me up and slapping me down. (laughs) We definitely have a couple of bottles. Okay, good. (laughs) Uh, I know one of the new things that you guys have recently um, added for people who might not be able to come in as often um, is you can buy online now. Yeah. It used to be I would get the wine club email. I would email you back as ASAP and get my case or whatever I was getting. But now I can go online. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so we launched uh, our online store, Gergist Online, back in August. Um, You know, we put a couple bottles of pretty much everything into that inventory and keep it separate. So it may not always mirror what's on the actual list. Um, but nowadays when, you know, people do a lot of shopping from home, buying from home, everything like that. We figure the holidays are coming up. Yeah, we figure let's get involved with that. So the only kind of hurdle that we're still working around is delivery. Okay. So unfortunately, um, you know, I I can legally deliver to city residences, but not county, north, or Henderson. Good to know. uh, You know, we're trying to figure that out, and we've got some feelers out there on how we can make that possible. Um, Because that's that is what makes that experience different absolutely or else why would you not just come in if you were going to come in anyways and get your stuff to go sure so once delivery happens then the online store will be rocking perfect yeah love it amazing can i just ask you in general how does um how does las vegas rate as a wine city do do you feel that and, and I'm going to ask you specifically, well, we could talk about the Strip, sure. the fine dining places and the mm-hmm. places that have the Wine Spectators Awards. And I know we have more of them than certain other things. But then also when you just go into your average Chinatown restaurant, your average Arts District restaurant, your average, you know, East Fremont. Do you think that we have quality wines out there in our restaurants at quality pricing? Yes and no. Okay. <laughs> um, it's it's a very challenging topic um you know the strip is one thing but we'll just stick to local you know there's a lot of places that are trying to do a lot of great things um you know and dabble in 
obscure things, you know, fun things that are relatively affordably priced, different things like that, you know, and getting away from the norm that the strip sees, you know. But there's a handful of people, handful of restaurants that almost feel like it's an afterthought or doesn't necessarily matter, you know, and it just, the list is what the list is and it doesn't change. It doesn't rotate or anything like that. And like, it's not, it's, it's kind of frustrating, you know, it's, it's kind of sad. It's kind of boring. You know, you want to, you want to be excited about food and beverage together, not just food, you know, and you know, if people put stock and effort into their beer program or their alcohol, their spirits or cocktail program, why not the wine program as well? Mm-hmm. So, um, but, but, you know, in general, I think people are trying, people are doing a good job. You know, there's definitely room to grow, you know, so. Well, you know, I'm putting I'll be happy together to <laughs> the updated list for Neon Feast and we're adding yes. a lot of beverage categories. So um, I know my, my buddy Bordeaux Bob's helped me with yeah. curating a list of that. Yeah. But um, if I were to ask you to hit me with two or three Off-strip restaurants with fantastic wine lists. You beat me to it. (laughs) Lamai, for sure. Absolutely. Um, Either location, awesome. Um, But Bonk does an amazing job. Um, Sparrow and Wolf, the team there, they kill it as well. Um, And so the other night I went to Anima by EDO and blown away. Uh, the wine list is great. Uh-huh. They're rocking. That that's amazing. I was just so. talking about them this morning on TV. Yeah, yeah. Place, yeah. yeah. <laughs> rocking. And the list is amazing. And yeah, they're killing it. So cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for the recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for letting us record in this beautiful space. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And congrats <laughs> on three years. And seriously, you know, I was saying a little of this off mic before we started. You know, very few places that somebody could have the kind of impact that you have had. And very few people can do it and very few places that, where you can do it. You have helped change this neighborhood. You've helped change this community. You've done it in three short years. <laughs> and yes, there are several people on this very block who have been along for the ride with you. But you have done amazing things to what the Especially Arts District was just three years yeah, ago. Absolutely. So congratulations. Fair. Thank man. you so much. Yeah. You know, and it's... just really quick, tell, tell people how they can find you, call you, your address. Sure. So Garage East Wine Room Merchant, uh, 197 East California. It is in the address. <laughs> <laughs> 197 East California Street. Which is the corner of California and... Casino Center. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Suite number 140, or literally Caddy Corner from Esther's Kitchen. Um, you can check us out online, www.garageeastlv.com. And shoot an email to wineclub at garageeastlv.com. Perfect. And uh, yeah, three years. It's wild. Hats, you know, it, I know, to a hell of a lot I, more. I, I know you said it was three short years, man. They don't feel <laughs> short. <laughs> Nothing came easy in these three no, years. <laughs> but, no. you know, here we're uh, we're loving it. So we're having a good time. Thanks a bunch. Thank yeah. you. Cheers. We're going to get to the news next. This is Food and Loathing. It's time for the news. And November 11th, of course, is Veterans Day, and Sicky's Garage Burgers and Brews will be saying thank you to those who have served and those who are currently serving with a free burger or a discount on something else. Veterans and active duty military will receive a free garage burger 
or 20% off a single menu item on Friday, November 11th. Just show your appropriate military ID. And of course, thank you all for your service. Coffee Religion is a Las Vegas coffee shop located on Charleston, just west of Decatur. It's opening a second location in Centennial Hills. Everybody's going to Centennial are, Hills yeah. up there. Uh, an Instagram post says it'll be open uh, two, three weeks away. The exact date still to be determined. More information you can find at coffeereligionlv.com. Speaking of coffee, Public Works Coffee Bar on Water Street in Henderson is holding a month-long animal shelter drive, offering discounts on your purchases when you donate beds, blankets, towels, cots, treats, gloves, collars and leads, and more. There's a flyer on their Instagram at Public Works Coffee. And to close things out, our friends at DW Bistro have a pair of live music events happening this weekend on Saturday and Sunday. And I spoke to owner Bryce Krausman about it. We have uh, a Grammy-nominated artist, Jane Monheit. She's coming back for her second time with us. We most likely will move her indoors on, on Saturday night. Um, but yeah, she'll be here 7 o'clock. She launches a new Christmas album on Friday, November 4th called The Merriest. So she'll preview a little bit of her Christmas. So there'll be, you know, we need a little Christmas now, probably. So she'll do a couple songs from there and some from her other, you know, um, fantastic sets over the years. And then Sunday, Sunday, November 6th, is the return of Gospel Brunch with uh, Sky D. Miles from Rose Rabbit Lie. Now she's at uh, the Ghost Bar at Palms. But she brings a 20-voice choir and a 10-piece band and several soloists from the Strip for very uplifting, non-denominational music. Things like, you know, Preacher's Wife, uh, soundtrack songs, um, a lot of really uplifting music. And that will happen outside in the sun, in the 70-degree weather. There'll be blankets and heaters and things like that if people need and they're cold. But we're going to do a very informal kind of situation. The last three that we've done were, you know, very formal buffets. This is a box, a, a brunch box. You're basically going to get a lot of to-goes and sit outside and wait for the music to start. So we start around 11 with brunch, and the music starts at 1 o'clock. What is it you enjoy about bringing live music to, to this venue? I mean, we do brunch. We're known for a lot of parties in here and events. But there is the element, I come from a musical background, um, and I come from show background, so I love to put on large-scale things. Uh, so for us, we need a little bit of that right now. We need a little bit of neighborhood uh, fun. The music's always very uplifting. People leave with such a renewed sense of themselves. I have grown men crying. Uh, when I turn around and see the crowd after Gospel Brunch, it's really uplifting, and it like, lifts people's spirits. You come from an entertainment background, so uh, this has got to be a lot of fun for you to be able to put that together. Uh, the years that I worked for Blue Man Group taught me a lot, and that was the early 2000s. was the best job I ever had, I think, because it taught me, number one, how to be direct. I loved that about that show. Number two, the performance aspect of the show was ingrained into me. And yes, I did sing back in my early days, but I'm not, you're not going to be hearing me this week and trust. Um, we'll leave it up to the professionals. But I love music. I've known Jane Monheit for 23 years. We're actually, I think, five days apart. <laughs> same, uh, same year we were born. Um, and I love jazz. I've, I've been known to love jazz since I was a teenager. So having that aspect, and also gospel music. There was a time in my life I sang with Gladys Knight in a, a Mormon LDS choir with my dad. And we went around the country singing. And so I always loved gospel music. So this will be a great... And, and Sky is fantastic. Those of you who've seen Sky at Rose Rabbit Lie, or now she's at, at the Ghost Bar, the reimagined Ghost Bar at the Palms, um, she is fantastic. And she brings a whole litany of great talent. 
And could you explain what the, the dining and drinking setup will be for both of these events? So Saturday night, we just launched our new dinner menu. So Dalton, Chef Dalton's got some little bites for Saturday night. It's a $99 ticket that gets you the small bites. It's a, it's a collective caviar from Nina on top of a, a potato fritter with uh, creme fraiche. And then it is our scallop over a rice and peas risotto. There's a featured cocktail that you'll get as well for that $99 or a mocktail. And then on Sunday, it's going to be very informal. You're actually getting a box of brunch. So what that is is like a box brunch. It is uh, either our uh, new uh, mini 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 burritos, mini breakfast burritos, or chilaquiles, or our breakfast sandwich, our fresh pastries, a parfait, again, another mocktail or cocktail, and then the ticket to the show. And that's it for this week. Thanks to everyone who spoke with us. Eric Prato, Bryce Krausman, anybody else whose name I'm forgetting? I well, thank you all. Just mention Eric two or three times because we're in his joint. We are. Yes. Oh, and have a and good Drinking time. this Gamay, which Gamay. is amazing. Thank you, <laughs> Gamay. Thank yes, you, Gamay. Thank you, that part of France that brought us this year wine. Uh, tell a friend about Food and Loathing, which is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Spread the word on social media. Just search for Food and Loathing. And if you have a question or comment, reach us direct by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, download the Neon Feast app. You've heard us mention it on the show quite a bit, especially when you're looking for something great. You find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, whatever you want, you will find it on the Neon Feast app. And neonfeast.com if you're more computer-oriented. And if you want to see what I'm up to, I've recently been talking about butterboards. Find me at Wishbone and Vine. I have mixed feelings <laughs> about this. Maybe we should we get should into it next it. week. Yes. Because it just sounds like slabbing butter on a piece of I've wood. I've doing a survey on I it. I hope there's more more to it, it than that. <laughs> did, did you quote me in that? Cause... It's going to be yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love being So I thought I'd bring it up one. so we can, uh, yeah, we should play with that. Yeah. I should also mention that um, I told you guys last week or a couple weeks ago that we're going to start the Neon Feast Meet the Chef series of yeah. live cooking demos. Yes. The first one of those is going to be happening on Monday, November 14th. And we are running a contest to give away some tickets to that. So one winner is going to get actually more than one winner. We'll get tickets to um, the inaugural one with Chef Brian Howard um, at Appliances by Design. The rules, if you want to enter, here's what you have to do. You have to follow the following guides at Neon Feast Guide at Chef Brian Howard, at Appliance by Design, there's little underscores on that one, and at Beam Suntory. And if you follow all those places, we're going to enter you and we're going to give away a bunch of tickets so that you can come in and watch Chef Brian Howard. Awesome. Yeah. For our friends over at Appliance by Design, um, they've got a great gallery. So that's coming up on the 14th. Go enter online now. Uh, also, if this podcast isn't enough of me for you, and I don't know how that's possible, but <laughs> have no fear. I'm always out there talking food in other venues. For example, you can see me every other Wednesday on the CW Las Vegas at approximately 8.15 a.m. And catch you out just about any time on the Neon Feast update on The Vibe. 99.7 in Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, 98.9 at the river, which we really mean Laughlin. And every Thursday morning <laughs> around 8.10 a.m. on The Club, AM 670, KMZQ. And that sounds like about it for this week. I'm Al Mancini with Samantha Gemini Stevens and Rich Johnson reminding you to stay hungry. <laughs> <laughs>